Right now we're in the book of Numbers. And Numbers is a very interesting book, as we found out last week, right? Even through those dry sections, there, there are some really interesting things that are about it. And today's going to be a very interesting sermon because my ADD is very real today. And I just want you to know that ahead of time. I'm warning you, you are on a roller coaster ride. And uh, if you can make the same connections I have this next week concerning the Word of God, I'm, I'm hoping you can follow along for this fun ride. Anyway, how many of you read this past week? It's number 7 through 12. It, it was kind of a, a, an interesting week because the first four days seemed very focused on God being there for his people, people presenting certain things uh, to God. And then the last part of the week, it seems to go off the rails, doesn't it? The last part of the week, last two days of the week, if you guys were reading daily, uh, 11 and 12 seemed to kind of go off the rails a little bit, didn't it? I, everything was going well. People were presenting things for God. God is showing up in amazing ways. And then all of a sudden, people started complaining. And I mean, they just started complaining. And it just, it just kept going. And you're just like, what is going on here? The title of my sermon today is called Forgetting, Forgetting, that we're in the presence of God. It's easy to forget that you're in the presence of God. How many of you would love some sort of physical manifestation to show that God were there with you all the time? Raise your hand. Like, if I just knew, if I could see the tongues of fire on top of the disciples and then know for sure that God was there, that's the person I'm going to go talk to, right? Because they know that they're with God because I see the little flame on top of their head. That'd be awesome, right? Or if I were over at, like my wife, for example, my wife would love this. If we ever went to Golden Corral, which we don't go to Golden Corral for one reason. My wife gets overwhelmed with choices. She does not like the choices. And she would be one that if we went to Golden Corral, her idea would be God being with her. God, show me what I'm supposed to eat. You know, that I know over which portions of food I'm supposed to grab because me, I'm going to get the weirdest combination ever and make myself sick. Or I'm just going to stand there the whole time and not do anything. Any of you have that same feeling? Some of you. Some of you are shaking your head. Nobody raised their hand. My wife is totally that way. She'd be like, that would make things so much easier. But she's also like, that's why God gave me you. Go get me something. Okay, so... That, that's, that's kind of where we are. We think, how many of you think that if, if God just had some sort of audible voice or some sort of physical sign, it would make things easier for you to do the will of God? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, if I, if I could just see that. I want to tell you something. Today's lesson is all about how easy it is for, we, for us to forget. Because we can see through the scripture this week how the people of Israel had a physical manifestation of the presence of God always among them. And yet, they seem to forget very easily that God was with them. Really, really wild. I want to take a look real quick. Numbers chapter 9 at the end of the chapter, so we can see exactly what was there for everybody to see. So Numbers chapter 9, 
Starting in verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of testimony was set up, the cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out, and wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order order, and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted In the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. So here we have a physical manifestation of the presence of God among the people of Israel at the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is at the center, as we talked about last week, at the center of this society that that is all decked out, right? So we have three tribes to the north, three tribes to the west, three tribes to the east, three tribes to the south, and the tabernacle is in the middle. And everybody can see the tabernacle. And not only can everybody see the tabernacle, it it being in their midst, when they were called to worship together, they would all go to the tabernacle. And in being at the tabernacle, you know what they saw? They saw the cloud of the presence of the Lord. If it was daytime. And if it was nighttime, they saw the fire. It, It showed up as fire right there. There is no doubt that the presence of God was with the people of Israel. They could see it. Not only that, God has provided for them manna, right? On the ground for them every single day. We have provision of God every day. These are the same Israelites that just a year before, if you think about it, were delivered from the people from Egypt. The first Passover had taken place because we talk about the second Passover taking place during this time that we read this week. And so it's been a year that they've been out in the wilderness wandering around where God has been leading them to, where he's led them to the mountain of God. They saw the fire of the Lord there. And Moses has come down with the tablets of the Ten Commandments with the writing of God on there. How much more do you need? And all of that being there, in their presence, in their midst, Man, you would think it would make it so much easier to do God's will, don't you? Man, I should just want to do God's will. He's delivered us. We walked on with walls of water on both sides. We saw all the plagues of Egypt. Every single one of us saw how God was greater in every way to the gods of Egypt. And now we've walked along with God. He's shown us so many more things. He's providing for us on a daily basis... And you and I are under the false impression today that somehow if we had that presence here, it would make us more faithful to God. 
Let's read chapter 11. Verses 1 through 3. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that the place was called Taborah. Because fire from the Lord had burned among them. So, God has delivered them from slavery, from centuries of slavery, from the people of Egypt, and brought them out into this land. And now a year in, after he's provided all of these things, what's happening among the people? They're complaining concerning their hardships. But God is with them. You guys realize that. All of these things we just talked about, God is with them. The presence of God is with them. And of course, he makes himself further known by this fire appearing. And everybody's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I forgot you were there. Because you had to forget he was there, right? Right? The one who's delivered you and brought you out of this place of slavery in Egypt where you groaned. And now you're complaining because of your hardship. And so we see God getting angry. But more than that, we continue on in verse 4. It says the rabble. First of all, that there's rabble there is really like, shouldn't there be no rabble there in the first place? They're all delivered by God. Shouldn't they say, dude, God is amazing. I am not crossing him. There is rabble there. People who are causing trouble. People are only there to cause trouble. And there are rabble there. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also the cucumbers and the melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. I don't know about you, because we read this from afar, right? We read these words right here from afar. The gall of those people to rise up against God who has provided this manna. This manna that actually represents Christ. Jesus himself says, I am the manna. I was the bread out in the desert, right? Now, they're not eating Jesus, okay? But it's representative of God's provision for the people that's going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they're complaining? Oh, we had so much more stuff there. All that food, everything that's there. And so God promises to give them quail, not just for a day, but for a month. And I'm just going to paraphrase the rest of uh, 11 real quick. He says, you're going to get so sick of it, it's going to come out your nostrils. And afterwards, you're going to listen to me. And yet, God provides the quail. Moses complains, like, how am I going to provide all this quail? And God's like, did you forget who I was? Seriously, did you forget who I was? 
I just parted the Red Sea. I created all things. Do you think a month's worth of quail? I am giving you manna on a daily basis and you're worried that I can't provide quail for a month for you? Are you crazy? Again, my paraphrase, please read the chapter. But the truth of the matter is, God got angry with them afterwards. And while they were eating that quail, he had a plague break out among the people that caused death, and they buried the people who were there who had wanted this food that God had rejected the food that God had provided in favor of this instead. And it doesn't stop there. Because then we go to chapter 12, and we see that this type of forgetfulness that God is with them goes all the way to those who are leaders among the people of Israel, set apart. And so Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses. And we read in chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out. And then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions, and I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. Then the cloud lifted from above the tent, and there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy, and he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold this us please not hold against us this sin that we have so foolishly have committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. And so Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. And the Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, Would she not have been in disgrace seven days? Continue her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move till she was brought back. And after that, the people left Hazareth and encamped in the desert of Paran. Now, Aaron and Miriam have come to take issue with Moses. Hasn't God spoken through us too? And look at you, you're an inferior Israelite. You know why? You have a Cushite wife. You have not married within the clans of Israel. I want to ask you guys a question. Did God know this when he called Moses? Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, we read all of this back in Exodus chapters 3 and chapters 4. As a matter of fact, Zipporah had to circumcise his children because guess what? God was intending to kill Moses along the way because his children at that time were not circumcised. So she circumcised him, threw the foreskin down before Moses and said, surely I have married a bridegroom of blood, talking about the circumcision. And this satisfied the Lord because he knew that she was truly one of the people of Israel, even though she'd be a Cushite. 
had already been accepted by God before the calling of Aaron. And now Aaron seems to forget who calls whom. Aaron and Miriam coming forward saying, you're not, you're not quite as good. You have a, has not God spoken through us? Can't we also lead these people? And God got very quickly and said, um, uh, let's come to my tent of meeting real quick. I need you three in my tent now. This is like the principle, right? Calling you in. I need you here now. We're going to set this straight right now. And he basically said, I'm calling people, not you. I qualify people, not you. And when he leaves this argument, Miriam is leprous because God has given her a temporary disease. And they pray, and of course, this is also Moses' sister. We need to understand, this is Moses' sister and his brother. Of course, he wants to pray for her healing. And God said, if it were a human father who just spit in her face, she would be shamed for seven days. Have her sit outside the camp for seven days. See, we forget so easily that God is among us. With all that they could see of God, all it did was accentuate their sinful nature. It showed how much they truly needed a Savior, not just from Egypt, but from a condition that was greater than Egypt would ever be for them. And you and I, man, I hate to tell you this. We're not better than the Israelites. We're worse. We're not better, we're worse. You know why? Because if we say we're a believer in Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, then Jesus is always with us. Not in the same way as with the Israelites. Because with the Israelites, he manifested himself outside. Here's my presence. Here, you can see me in all of these places and all of these things here. But for you and I, he promises to be with us. 100% of the time. Let's just remind ourselves of these words real quick. Matthew chapter 28. In the Great Commission, this is what Jesus says. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. More than that. Jesus tells us exactly how he's with us. In John chapter 14. Starting in verse 23. He says this. And Jesus replied. If anyone loves me. He will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him. And make our home with him. He who does not love me. Will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All of this I've spoken while I'm with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
See, we got something better than Israel ever had. Israel had the physical manifestation of the presence of God before them, and yet they were complaining whitey butts. Were they not? They forgot every step of the way as they're walking along the way that God is with them. But you and I, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the promise, not from me, from Jesus, is that the Father sends the Counselor to be with us forever. And in this way, the Father and the Son make manifest their life in us. Jeremy Bannister is not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit resides in me. And for every believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you. The Holy Spirit is not you. Don't confuse yourselves. But a lot of people try to confuse that nowadays, try to say that you are God. You are not God. I look in the mirror every day and realize I'm not God. You are not God. But the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you want to know the truth? I can honestly tell you that there have been amazing things that the Holy Spirit has led me into and shown me about Christ and reminded me of the words of Jesus, just like he promised, has convicted me of a deeper sin and of righteousness and of judgment that I would not return back to those things that I used to be a part of in my life because he was there. And it wasn't like that before I knew Jesus. I can tell you that 100%. And it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I can tell you just as easily, I've forgotten so many times that he's there. I just have. And you have too. Otherwise, we wouldn't be dealing with sin, right? Right? And we're warned about these things. You know, what's so great, I I just want to give you an understanding of how great this is gift that God has given you and me and the Holy Spirit really is. We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. I want to take a look at verses 3 through 14. Because I want you to see this is the glorious manifestation of Christ, of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine who all, everybody who calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ. We are promised that God is truly with us. And never a time where he's not. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will and with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ." 
in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and having believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantor of the redemption that is yet to come for every single one of us who are in Christ and how easily we forget. And you would think that having the Holy Spirit in our life would be like number one reason why I'm never going to sin again. But the problem is we still live in this worldly place where the flesh of us wants to constantly be resurrected. And we're just like the people of Israel going back to saying, but I remember what it was like with blank and with blank, whatever thing you struggled with beforehand. And it looks for a little while so, so shiny and tempting to return back to and you know in those moments what we're doing is we're forgetting that God is with us it's the only way we could do that the only way that we can go back to this you know as as a sow returned you know as a dog returns to its vomit as a sow goes wallowing in the in the mud I've watched my dog throw up and lick it back up again it's gross he's thinking seconds I'm thinking oh seriously But that's what you and I do when we go back to our sin. We're going back to that which separated us from Jesus, why he died on the cross in the first place. And we're going, oh, that looks so good. And it's dog vomit. And you know the only way we can do it is if we forget that God is with us. Think about what happens here. Galatians chapter chapter 5. This fight that's very real for every single believer in Christ Starting in verse 16 through the end of the chapter. This is the fight that you and I fight. Because though we have the spirit of God. Our flesh still wants to resurrect itself. This is the fight you're seeing with the Israelites. Though God is with them and has delivered them out of bondage. They, that fleshly staff saying. Yeah, wait we're with God. He's providing for us. We have everything that we need. Why are we complaining about all this stuff? They're fighting their flesh. Same thing you and I do. Verse 16. So I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. See, this is a battle that you face, that I face, that every believer in Christ face. Because though we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we have the flesh that fights against us to try to resurrect itself by forgetting that God is there with us. There's a, a, a verse of Scripture in Second uh, Peter chapter 3 that talks about this idea of what happens to you and me when we kind of just give ourselves, give in to ourselves and what we want and our desires. And, and I, I like the phraseology of it. And so I'm going to read this to you. Starting in verse 3 in chapter 3 of Second Peter, it says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires they will say where is this coming that he promised ever since our fathers died everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed and by the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire Keep being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Did you catch that what it said in verse 5? But they deliberately forget. That's an interesting phraseology, don't you guys think? They deliberately forget the judgment of God so that they don't hold themselves accountable to that judgment that is coming. They deliberately forget the judgment of God because if they remember the judgment of God, it might prevent them from doing the things that they just want to do in their fleshly nature. So they have to deliberately forget God in order to do those things. They have to deliberately forget his judgment in order to, quote, avoid his judgment, right? They're deliberately forgetting these things so they can do what they want to do. And for the believer in Christ, the only way that we can sin is to deliberately forget that God is with us. That's it. Name any situation. Let's go through the Ten Commandments real quick. Going to make an idol if you know that God is with you and he hates that? You going to murder somebody if you know that God is watching and is with you? It kind of changes things when you really recognize that God is there in the midst of all this. You going to do those drugs? You going to commit adultery? If you know that God is there in the room, is, is that really what you're going to do with your time? When the manifestation of God is really there and you know that he is there with you, is that what you're going to do? See, in order for us to do that, we have to what? We have to deliberately forget every single one of us. Every sin we've ever struggled with, guess what we're doing? We deliberately forget God is with us. No excuse. You know why? Because we know it's wrong. There's some times where we know it's wrong and we're doing it. And you know what we're doing? We're deliberately forgetting his presence because somehow we think that in that room or in the darkness or whatever else, it's hidden from God. Are we dumb? I would say yes. 
Psalm 139 talks about where God is. David says, you know, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go as high as the heavens above, you are there. If I enter the depths below, if I go to the darkness, even there the darkness will not hide me because for there the darkness is as light to you. I can't go anywhere from your presence. Here was a man who always knew that God was there and yet even he, in his sinful moments, deliberately forgot you can't help it because if you remember that god is that great god is that holy that god is that good god punishes those whom sin against him and rightfully so either consequences not under condemnation because we're believers in christ or under condemnation because we're not all of it deservedly so As Sean so greatly pointed out, we've been given grace upon grace as believers because we didn't deserve it in the first place. But we deliberately forget God, don't we? In every one of these areas, we go back to the sin that we struggle with. In those moments of your sin, think about it. Are you thinking at all that God is here in this place? No. No. Because if you did, you wouldn't be doing it. Just seriously, you wouldn't be doing it. And yet, the frailty of ourselves finds ourselves in that position over and over again. First Peter chapter 2. Peter talks to slaves, which is interesting because that's exactly what the Israelites were before God freed them, Right? And so now he's talking to slaves, and and I love what he says to them because I believe that what Peter says to the slaves at that time concerning their situation is the prescription for you and me to know that we're not to have us not fall in that same type of temptation to forget God, to forget that God is with us. If you're a believer in Christ, there's never a time where God is not with you. And if you're not a believer in Christ, there's never a time or a place that you can go where God is not at. And we need to remember this. We need to know this as believers in Christ so that we can live and walk faithfully with Jesus. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 18, just read through 20, 21. Slaves, submit to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and considerate, but also those who are harsh, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscience of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Do you see what he said? That even if you are being treated badly, what you should do is you should do so being cognizant of God, right? I need to be conscious of God in my suffering. I need to be conscious of God in every area of my life because if I do that, then my mind is not stuck in this place, my situation at this time. That's what was happening to the people of Israel, right? We've been eating the same food for a long time now, and I'm tired of the same food. 
but you have food. If you guys remember, we've talked about this one. If we have food and we have clothing, we will be what? Content, right? They had food and clothing. Were they content? Nope. If we have food and clothing, we will be content. God provides both. Their clothes don't wear out. We find out later. For 40 years, they're going to be walking in the desert, and they don't wear out. I'm wearing new clothes, you know, every two, three years. You know why? Because they get holes in them. Wear and tear gets holes in them. They got 40 years. Their clothes held up. How cool is that? Wouldn't you guys like 40-year clothes? I'm going to give this to you on your 20th birthday. You can keep it till you're 60. Wouldn't that be great? God provided all of that. They're in year one of this, and they're just like, I can't take it anymore. And what did they do? They had forgotten. They had forgotten about God being amongst them. Guys, you and I are going to spend eternity with this God who sent his son to die on the cross. I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven other than what it's described in Revelation, right? We get glimpses of what heaven is going to be like. But what makes heaven heaven is that God is there with us, right? That the dwelling place of God is with man. And he shall be their God. And they shall be their people. And they'll never be, there's going to be sun there. There's going to be light there all the time. Why? Because God and the Lamb are there to be the lamp. They get a foretaste of that in the desert. Of being with God and they, yet they forgot. Guys, if you want to be living for Jesus. In every moment of your life then you've got to be aware of him. Thinking about him. Praying to him. Recognizing that Jesus who came and died on the cross for your sin is always with you. And when you're conscious of God in your life, you are far less likely to deliberately forget him so that you can do what you want. We live in a world of distractions. We really do. And this distracted world tries to help us deliberately forget about Jesus every moment of every day. We're called to be different as believers in Christ. I want to see us walking strong with Christ. I want to see myself walking strong with Christ. This isn't just a you thing. But I find that I do it best when I don't deliberately forget about him. Do you stand with me? What a comfort. It should be. It should be a comfort that God is with us, right? Believers in Christ knowing I am always with you. It's only a terror when we're not doing the things that God wants us to do, right? I'm always with you becomes a little scary when we're in that place where God doesn't want you here. What are you doing here, right? And we become cognizant of God. We open our eyes to the fact that there's no place we can go to be apart from his spirit. You're going to leave this place. You're going to go home. You may think your home is a dark place. Guess what? God's there. That should be a comforting thing.
You can go back to work. Maybe not tomorrow because it's Labor Day. But you're going to go back to work the next day. You might think that this is a godless place, but guess what? Is there any place you can go from his presence? Nope. Then you need to remember that. You know why? Because when you're cognizant of God, even in your quote-unquote godless place, you can bring the light of Christ to those people who need it. You can stand against the the temptations that are going to come from being in that godless place because you're recognizing that Jesus is there with you. My prayer for all of you and myself this next week is to realize there's not a place we can go. Not a place we can go where we're without the presence of God. And being in the presence of God and being cognizant, being conscious that God is with us especially if we're believers in Christ, is the greatest encouragement toward faithfulness and fidelity to our faith in Jesus. I pray that for all of you. I pray that for me as well because our world wants us to forget. Why do you think we got so much distraction? Our smartphones are cheaping at us. The world around us is is chirping that this is what is really important. We just need to remember in every place that we go, God is in this place. Not a place I can go that God's not. And if I rely upon him, I'm much more likely to be faithful to him than unfaithful. I'm going to have our elders come forward. And if you have a prayer need of any type today, I want you to just come and lay those burdens before the Lord right here. You know why? Because God's in this place. And that's a big comfort. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Would you help us as as your people, those called by your name, those whom you have sealed for redemption through your Holy Spirit, not to forget you. When we forget you, we fight with our flesh and we lose. When we forget you, O Lord, we, we do the things that are not pleasing to you. And God, that's not where you want us to be. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us be conscious of your presence everywhere we go. When we're at work, when we're at home with our kids, when we're at someplace else, maybe another person's house, and there's a darkness that is there, please remind us that you are never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. Because we're a believer in Christ, help us be conscious of you so that we will be able to choose Jesus no matter what situation faces us. Because, Lord, you're the ultimate reality. Everything else is just shadow lands, no matter what it is that we, we think, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to serve you with our lives, dear Heavenly Father, in everything, because we're aware that you are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.